Alrighty, well, it's my privilege once again to, uh, to be talking about this. This is our preaching journey at the moment. I am, but it's not about you and me. It's about the great I am. You see, our key verse for this whole journey, it says in, uh, in Proverbs 18 verse 10, hopefully by now you know, it says the name of the Lord, Yahweh, the name of the Lord is what? Is a strong tower, a mighty fortress. And what happens when you're scared or what happens when you're in danger? It says the righteous run, run, run into it and they are safe. In other words, when we as followers of Jesus have a revelation of the name of our God, then that's our first reaction. The, the, the instinct, the, the, uh, the reflex action of our lives should be, oh, there's danger, there's a problem. Just run to the Lord. The name, my God is Jehovah Jireh. He'll provide in the situation. My God, he's Jehovah Adonai. He's sovereign. He's got this in his hand. My God, he's my Abba Father. I know that I can trust him because I'm valuable to him. And I want to talk today about an incredibly beautiful one. I've loved meditating on this over the week, and I'm praying that it's going to go deep inside of my heart. I'm praying, especially through this time, that it'll go deeply inside of your heart as well. Today we're talking about Jehovah Shalom. Remember that word? You've probably heard that word so many times. Shalom is a, is a word that means peace, but not just a, a trivial external peace. Tr- shalom, let me read it to you, in fact. It's a Hebrew word, and it says peace, safety, prosperity, well-being, intactness, wholeness. Peace can have a focus of security, safety, which can bring feelings of satisfaction, well-being, and contentment. This is a deep abiding peace, not a worldly external peace, but a deep godly inner peace. That's the Hebrew word. In the Greek, in the New Testament, they use the word, I don't know how to say it, Irene or Irene or something like that, which is the same thing. It means peace, harmony, tranquility, safety, welfare, health, often with an emphasis on a lack of strife or reconciliation in a relation, as when one has peace with God. Often used as a verbal and written greeting, this word generally follows the meaning and usage of the word shalom. That's what we're going to talk about today. And my prayers, I want us to catch why this is so important, and then make God open our eyes, not to get it into here, but that it would come and settle and rule in our hearts right here. So, let's dive into it. Where did this revelation come from? Interestingly enough, this revelation of Jehovah Shalom, in the Old Testament, it came from one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I don't know about you, but I love Gideon. I just love Gideon, because... I don't know, maybe it's because he had such an incredible inferiority complex. He was deeply insecure. And so when the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, he's like, ah. that's, that's exactly what it says in the, Greek, in the Hebrew. Ah. And, and he starts making excuse, you know, Lord, you've got the wrong person. Honestly, he saw himself as the lowest ranking person in all of Israel. He says, I'm the least in my family. My family's the lowest in the clan. My clan's the least in, I'm like right at the bottom. That was his self-image. And God chose the one who saw himself as the smallest and the least for probably one of Israel's greatest battles. You're going to deliver Israel from the Midianites. The Midianites had them in captivity, had them for years. And it says the Midianite army was so big you can't count it. It's like sand on the seashore. Gideon, you are going to go and rescue Israel. So he was having a panic attack. Now, just before, at the end of his panic attack, as he's been making excuses, making excuses, he wants like, Lord, I need to know this is not just 
hallucination after the curry last night or something. I just I need to know. This is really you. And so the angel of the Lord says, right, well, go and prepare an offering. And so we pick it up in Judges chapter 6, verses 20 to 24. The angel of, the, of God said to him, take the meat. So now he's gone and he's prepared a goat and he's got the meat and he's brought all the bread and the meat and some broth and he brings it to the Lord. He says, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord. Remember that? Jehovah Adonai. I have seen the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, face to face. But the Lord, Yahweh, said to him, Shalom, peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Right there, he built this altar. He's had this revelation. He builds the altar, called it Jehovah Shalom. And it stands to this day in Ophrah of the Yuf, Abizirats, them. Two questions that I want us to, to ponder when I read this. Question number one, why is it that Gideon could have peace? Because Why was he terrified? He was terrified, not just because of the battle that's coming up. He was terrified because he realized he had seen the Lord. And when you see the Lord, you're about to die. That's it. In fact, it says in Exodus 33 verse 20, But, he said, you cannot see my face. This is God speaking. You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And Gideon knew that, and I've just seen the Lord. So he knew, that's it, I'm toast. I've had an encounter with God. I've seen the Lord. That means God's word is true. I am toast. Why? Because God is holy. And the power of God's holy presence is so awesome that anything unholy in his presence just gets consumed. So why didn't he get consumed? Why is it that he could walk away from this encounter? Well, that's what the offering was all about. You see, he brought the meat, he brought the bread, brought the broth, poured it out, and the angel of the Lord, the Lord himself, touched the offering, and it said, fire, fill it up from the rock. That means your offering has been accepted. And the fact, this is huge, the offering made Gideon holy in the sight of the Lord. Now, here's the first thing we have to catch today. Why is it that we can have peace? We can have peace Because God has made peace with us. This is huge. We will never find peace. We will never be at peace until we realize God has made peace with us. And the way God makes peace with us is through an offering acceptable in His sight to deal with the sin, to deal with the broken relationship. God deals with it so that we can have peace. Now, hopefully inside of you, you're thinking right now, ha, 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 I know what this is pointing towards. Because there was a greater offering to come. A greater offering was consumed by the wrath of God's anger upon the cross. And it's through that offering, God made peace with us so that we can be at peace. Second big thing that I want us to catch is why did Gideon need peace? Now, come on, think about this. You, Gideon, the angel of the Lord, God has just commissioned you. You are going to lead the army of Israel 
to smote the Midianites. I love that word. I like using it often. To smote them. And, uh, but now here's the thing. I mean, the army of Midian is so vast you can't even count it. Even before you get to that, get in, I want you to go and destroy your family idols, because his dad, remember, he was the smallest, weakest in the family. Now he's got to go and pull down the Asherah, the Baal, destroy the family idols. That's not going to be popular. Then I'm going to take your army to less than 1%. From 33,000 soldiers, I'm going to reduce it to 300 first, and then you're going to go and destroy all of the Midianites. Here's the thing. I would have thought at this moment... The revelation of God that I would want, I would want to know the God of the heavenly armies. I mean, I would want to know the God of almighty victory. That's the revelation that I want. And God says, no, no, I'm the God of peace. Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean just before this huge battle, the God of peace. And this teaches us something so profound that it has impacted my life deeply. Before victory... We need peace. You see, in the kingdom of God, first peace, then victory. In the world, you think, no, no, when I have victory, when I've dealt with the problems, when I've solved this, when I've had, then when I have victory, after that, I'll discover peace. But in the kingdom of God, it's completely opposite. First, you find peace, and then victory follows. Does that make sense? So before Gideon goes out to this mighty battle, first he has a revelation, God of peace. Now God can work and bring about victory. Now this is huge for each one of us because you might be in a battle situation right now and you're thinking, if I can just get through, oh, I'll have peace on the other side. If I can just overcome this financial problem, relational problem, health problem, if I can just get through it, then I'll be at peace. No, wrong. First, now. Lord, you are Jehovah Shalom. I want peace this side, this side in you. Christ is enough. And from that place of, Lord, you are my peace, that's when victory flows. Make sense? It's huge. That's why this is such a crucial revelation. All righty, look at those kids having fun. Now try your best not to be distracted. I'm going to preach my heart out. Here we go. Of course, in the New Testament, Jesus uh, mirrored this beautifully. Jesus uh, had been arrested. And can you imagine, uh, put yourself in the place of his disciples. You've seen Jesus, your hero, arrested, but you know, he can bring down heaven, his armies, but he gets led away. And then they start to whip him, but Jesus, he heals people. He's going like, to throw off the chains like Samson doesn't. Then Jesus, they're going to crucify him, but, but Jesus, no one could. And Jesus is killed. And, and their hearts of the disciples are broken and there must be this desperation because now not just Jesus is gone, but if that's what they did to Jesus, guess what they're going to do to us. And so now the disciples are hiding away from the Pharisees, from the high priests. They've locked themselves together. And then on John chapter 20, verses 19 to 21, this is the famous Sunday night, Easter Sunday night, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Shalom, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Shalom, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. 
And at that moment, I would have thought, uh-oh, the disciples' hearts would have dropped. Hang on, whoa, 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 Jesus. As the Father sent you, He sent you from heaven, from safety, from comfort to earth to be murdered. Yeah, that's right. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You, you mean you, you're sending us out of these locked doors? Yes. Sending you into Jerusalem to turn it upside down. And that's not all. I'm sending you out into the Gentile regions to proclaim my name, to preach the gospel. I'm sending you like lambs to the wolves. I'm sending you out into a hostile world. But first, peace be with you. You see, before he commissions his disciples, first, he gives them his peace. You see, once again, why this is so important. If we're going to do big and brave and bold things for our God, if we're going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, if we're going to get our lives to truly count for the Lord, pouring ourselves out, using our lives to truly glorify God, first, peace, then victory. It's such a crucial thing, and I pray that this revelation would grab a hold of our hearts. You'll never have peace on the outside unless you first have peace on the inside. And some of you today, I'm praying that you would repent along with me and stop trying to rearrange your world to be perfect because perfect finances is not going to bring you peace. Perfect relationships is not going to bring you peace. Perfect car, perfect home, not going to bring you peace. Peace comes from the inside. Jehovah Shalom. Alrighty, let me land with three things very quickly. How does this revelation impact us? Number one, we can only go in peace when we are at peace with God. Now, Isaiah had this amazing revelation and he says it twice. I'm only going to say it once, but I hope you'll uh, catch it. This is a great memory verse if you want one. Isaiah 57 verse 21. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Well, that's it. Maybe quoted to the person next to you. There is no peace for the wicked. That's the problem right there. You could have the perfect car, perfect house, perfect everything, but in loving kindness, you're still wicked. We're born with a sinful nature. We live sinful lives, and that's the root of the problem. So you can do yoga and hum and zen and break your garden and line everything, and you know what? It's still not going to bring peace. Because peace doesn't happen out there. It has to happen here. And the root of the problem is our own sinful hearts. That has to be dealt with. First, you deal with sin. That's the problem between God and man. When that is dealt with, then we can have peace in the midst of the storm. You can sleep on a cushion in the boat, even when it looks like the boat might be sinking, because I know that my God has got us. So, there's a lot of hope, though, because... uh, Jesus had this incredible encounter. A lady of bad reputation in town came to gate crash a supper, dinner party that Jesus was invited to. And she was obviously the prostitute around town. She was known and she was unclean. In other words, you holy men, don't let that woman near you because you're going to catch and be infected by her uncleanness and her unholiness. And so Jesus, sitting with a Pharisee, And this woman comes in broken, desperate. I mean, for her to do that, realizing that she's violating every custom, every everything, that's the absolute point of her desperation. She comes in, she falls at Jesus' feet. She's crying uncontrollably. 
She brings in some of this perfume that's cost all the money that she's had because in some desperate way, something inside of her says, this is what I need to do. And then Jesus in Luke 7 verses 44, Jesus turned towards the woman, but he's talking to Simon. And he says, you see this woman, I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in shalom, peace. You see, first, first, sin has to be dealt with. Then peace can come upon our lives. She arrived broken, but could go in peace because her sins were forgiven. You know, our hearts, our hearts know when, when, when we've done something wrong. I've, uh, I love to talk about my two boys, and uh, they kind of got to that age now where I've got to be careful disciplining them because otherwise they'll discipline me back. But, uh, but I remember, you know, bringing up my, my two boys, and obviously there were times when they did things that were really naughty, and they know it. They know it straight away. They've disappointed mom and dad. They've done things which are wrong. And I remember taking my boys when I had to discipline them, and, uh, you know, you grow up hearing your dad say, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. It's like, you're all right. <laughs> but then you realize as a dad that discipline is not easy, but it's necessary. And I, I always knew when I disciplined my boys well. Because if I discipline them well, not in angry, not in like, because I'm embarrassed. No, no. But when you discipline them in love, explaining what they did wrong and why I need to punish them, every time the result was the same. After discipline, I just want to love you, dad. Just want to love you. And then it's dealt with. And then in their hearts, they know I'm feeling, they were feeling bad and guilty because they know what they did is wrong. But now it's been dealt with. Now it's over. Now we, we can love one another. And now it's, it's, there's peace once again. And you see exactly the same way. The only way our hearts will find true peace is when we know this has been dealt with. Now listen to this amazing thing. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, speaking prophetically about Jesus, Isaiah said, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. Isn't that amazing? The punishment that brought us peace. Where does this peace, this shalom that we can live with, where does it come from? It says, the punishment that brought us shalom was upon him. Friends, that's why I love Jesus so much. That's why we should love Jesus so much. Because despite all of our mess and our evil background, our hearts, you know stuff that you've done. I know stuff that I've done. I know the thoughts that go on in my heart. But because of Jesus, his punishment can bring me shalom. By his wounds, you are healed. Peace is a gift from God through Jesus. So number one, we can only go in peace when we've received that peace from God. Number two, by faith, we choose to let peace rule our hearts so that fear can't. Now, here's the thing. 
your heart has got room for one throne. And on that throne, either the peace of God, the shalom of God is going to rule inside of you, or fear is. And it says, let. In other words, there's a choice involved here. It says in Colossians 3 verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Don't you love that? I thought it should say, let his peace rest like a dove on your heart. It doesn't. It says, let his peace rule. That's leadership. That's rulership. That's submitting, bowing. Either you're going to bow to the peace of God or you're going to cave into fear. That's what I'm talking about here. If we're now going to take this incredible revelation, God is my shalom. Now, I've got to let that rule in my heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Here's an amazing example. 1 Peter 3 verse 6 speaks about Sarah, Abraham's wife. And like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, fear is going to come like a temptation like any other. Anxiety, worry. What if we're going to lockdown? What's going to happen to my business? Am I going to be able to pay this? What about my health? What about all of these things? I remember years back, I was trying to think of an example, and I, I was reminded when, uh, when Kate and I were still uh, engaged, I was working in Joburg. She was finishing off varsity in Durban. Excuse me. And so on weekends, I would drive down, normally got a lift, but one particular weekend, I couldn't get a lift with anyone. So I had driven down Friday night and now I'm driving back to Joburg late on a Sunday night. These are the times before cell phone. And now I'm in the middle of nowhere, late on a Sunday night, all by myself. And I just get this thought, Brent, what if your car breaks down now? Like, Yo, what would I do if my car just broke down now? No cell phones the middle of nowhere, Hamadoulas, in the middle of, and it's like late on a Sunday night. And I just, I just remember this like fear, just wanting to grab hold of my heart. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because this is your reality. It's like, you just, yo, that thought just. And I remember in that moment, I had some of those old worship type tapes or probably cassettes in those days and put it in and I cranked up and I just began to worship and to begin to sing. And because in that moment, this was a rulership issue. Right now, either I fight off this fear that wants to rule my heart and submit to the shalom of God, otherwise I'm going to be taken captive. That's what it's talking about here. That's why this is so critical. Remember that amazing story of Jehoshaphat that we talk about so often. Jehoshaphat was king in Judah. He wakes up one morning, the messenger arrives. He said, three armies have assembled to come and annihilate Judah. They're gathering, they're on their way. And as king, he knew if anyone's gonna die, he's gonna die. The battle will not be over until he's dead. In other words, he's just got his death warrant right there. And panic, he must've had a panic attack. What do I do? God says, I will fight for you. And so remember what he does. He gathers the musicians. They write this amazing song. It's only got two lines and they have to sing it over and over again. Remember the song? And the the musicians head out in front of the army. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Second verse. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then it's the bridge. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. And sometimes we've got to sing that over and over. That revelation, God loves me. That's when I know of His love, His peace can rule inside of me. Peace can only rule when you have faith in the love of your Father. And let me land practically then. 
with a third implication is that being at peace makes room for God's victory against your enemies. This is huge. We sang that beautiful song, battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to fight on money. Do you want the battle to belong to the Lord or do you want to fight it yourself? That's what we're talking about here. Because if you want God to be involved in your battle, then back off. <laughs> Basically, that's what the scripture says lovingly. Paul said it like this. In Romans 12, 17, he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. In other words, the battle belongs to the Lord, but I'm going to get in there and I'm going to make it right. No, no, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. And everything inside of you wants to take revenge. You want to get even. You want Do not take revenge, my friends. And I love this. Here's the key for me. But leave room. Leave room for God's wrath. In other words, leave room. If you're going to take care of the battle, there's no room for God to get involved. So you decide. Either you sort it out or you leave room for God to sort it out. In other words, either you at peace, Lord, you are my peace. My hand is open. Will you deal with this? Or you're not at peace, so you're going to jump in and take care of it yourself. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I remember some of you went to those mighty men conferences. Remember Angus Buck and there, those huge mighty men conferences and uh, I was just reminded the other day of one of the stories. I think it was probably the 2011 or 12. And, and the two guys are coming down to this mighty men's conference. In their bucky from the free state probably. And they stop somewhere for petrol or whatever and they get hijacked. Remember some of you might have watched it on Ordinary People, that movie that was made about it. Real story. Problem, the guy trying to hijack them, his name was Lucky Nzemande. But he was not lucky that day. Because he tries to hijack the bucky only to discover the two guys on their way to the Mighty Men Conference are ex-special force soldiers. And very quickly, they subdue poor Mr. Lucky. And then it's like, well, let's, let's finish him. I mean, he was here with a gun trying to threaten us. This is self-defense. Let's get rid of this guy right now. Then it's like, oh, I suppose we're going to a Christian conference. <laughs> Probably not so good to kill someone on the way to a Christian conference. So it's like, okay. Let's tie him up and leave him in the bush. So they tie him up and then, ah, it's going to be hard to worship God at a Christian conference when you know this guy is tied up in a bush somewhere all by himself. It's like, what do we do? Okay, let's take him as a POW, put him on the back of the bucky. <laughs> so they throw him on the back of the bucky. They drive to, uh, to, to the conference and, and you can guess what happens. All three of them get radically saved. And now the reality is, I think they developed a friendship which, which continues to this day. You see, this is what we're talking about here. You've got to choose right here. Do you take revenge? You did this to me, I'm going to get back at you. Or do you leave room for God to deal? And God is a God of justice. He will take care of justice. You can trust Him. Sometimes it might be His grace that brings someone to salvation. Sometimes if they need punishment, He will deal with them. But when we are at peace... We can leave it in God's hands. If we don't have shalom, we're going to try and take care of it 
ourselves. And so, Proverbs 18 verse 10. The name of the Lord is a mighty fortress, a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. I want to ask you today, do you know that God has made peace with you? Despite all that you've done, God has made peace with you. That peace comes through the punishment of Jesus. Have you received it? Because until you get peace here, no matter how perfect or imperfect your surroundings are, when you've got peace here, you'll have peace there. Question number two, who's ruling your heart now? And for some of you as followers of Jesus, honestly, you have allowed fear to take the place of rulership in your hearts. It's time for you to say, enough is enough. And I want you to repent like you would repent of a sin. I want you to repent of allowing fear to rule in your heart. Because God's word says, let his peace rule in your hearts. And I want you to fight just like I had to fight that day. Trust, Lord, give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His love endure. Fight to keep the peace of God ruling inside of your hearts. And then for some of you, it's time to back off. You're trusting the Lord. You're saying you're trusting the Lord. But you're trying to take care of everything. You're administering your own justice, sorting out your own battles. And you're fighting battles that God says he wants to fight on your behalf. But the problem is you haven't got peace. That's why you're fighting them. When we can leave it in the Lord's hands, Lord, first peace, then victory. Not first victory, then peace. First peace, then victory. And for some of you, I want you right now to truly surrender these battles to the Lord, find peace in Him, and then trust and see what our God will do. Amen? Why don't you stand with me inside as well, in the hall, at home. Let's stand together for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we stand before you as Jehovah Shalom this morning. Thank you that you have made peace with us through the punishment you put upon Jesus. His punishment brought us peace. And friends, while our eyes are closed, if you are here today and you've never opened your heart in repentance and faith to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, then I've got good news for you. Jesus said, my peace are give you. God wants to give you his peace today, but you need to open your heart and receive it. And friends, if that's you, God will be nudging your heart right now by his Holy Spirit, and I want you to come and chat to me straight afterwards so that we can walk a journey of discipling so that we can show you how to enjoy and experience his peace. Some of you right now have allowed fear to control you for too long. And if that's you, I want you to Join your faith to this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to repent of allowing fear to rule my heart. I confess it as sin right now in Jesus' name because your word says let peace rule in our hearts. And so, Lord, I'm choosing to turn my back on fear. I'm choosing to put my trust in your love. I'm choosing to trust you, the Lord God of peace, to rule my heart. Help me to stand firm to resist the enemy in Jesus' name. And for some, maybe you're just fighting battles and fighting battles, thinking that if you get victory, you will have peace. And today you've heard the word of God. No, first you have to get peace and then you'll get victory. 
And like me, I've been repenting this week. Lord, let me change my focus. Stop fighting for victory and start surrendering to your peace. And Father, I pray right now for anyone else who's in the same boat as me. We repent right now. Let your peace, let us find the place of peace. Like Gideon, first peace, then we'll find victory. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray right now that your amazing grace, your incredible peace, your unconditional, never-ending love would come and guard our hearts, our minds. Father, I pray, even if we're not able to gather for the next week, who knows? Father, you are with us. You are with us. May we know your peace and your presence. May we remember your gracious hand that rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people saying, Amen. Amen.